They have great identity, they're national brands. You found somebody, haven't you? You want a divorce! Say it! Oklahoma State's not going to change what you do because Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. They need to change what they do because they're the ones that made their mind up to go to the SEC. What is this? What's happening? What Robert is trying to say is that we are getting a divorce. Don't do this! No! No! I gotta say, I could have called this one. No! Yeah. Is it our fault? All Oklahoma had to do was not go to the SEC. So it is what it is. And in Oklahoma's case, I think they were more of what I would call uh, the reluctant bride. Financially, it's the only responsible thing to do. Uh, bottom line, we carried the league financially. Uh, us in Texas with TV money and whatnot. We accelerated Texas and OU withdrawal, which was a win-win for all parties. It's time for one last countdown and a final ride with the Big 12. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it sucked. We kicking this something. We kicking this thing off. Here we go. Live. From the Palace in Piedmont, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 Countdown, brought to you by Carter Jennings Law. Now, with today's team, here's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's TJ's fault. Thank you, Teach. Had a guy at the uh, luncheon yesterday come up to me and said he loves the show, he listens every day, and he said it's amazing how many times throughout my day something will go wrong. And I'll just say to myself, it's TJ's fault. <laughs> Glad because I'm you guys good for something. So, you have so ingrained that in me that no matter what happens in my life, if it doesn't go perfectly, I'll just say to myself, well, it's TJ's fault. It's TJ's fault. Oh, you're welcome. Glad we could do that. It is countdown time, and we're going all the way to number three today. We're moving it up because our guest is going a little earlier today. Uh, but big boys, all that's remaining now, let's remind you from whence we have come. Way back years ago at 25 was Texas Tech, South Carolina at 24. At 23, North Carolina gets South Carolina in week one. Drake May at quarterback for them. The Tar Heels were our 23rd ranked team. It was A&M 22, Hogs at 21, Kentucky at 20. Ole Miss uh, continued the run of SEC teams at 19, then at 18. That's it. That's all you get. Texas came in at 18, TCU 17, Washington 16. This was the great run of purple here. K-State at 15. Oregon's Ducks at 14. Did you see they got a big poster of Bo Nix in Times Square? Saw that in Times Square, yeah. Starting his Heisman campaign now. At 13, come on now. That'll get you in the mood for college football. We get Notre Dame this weekend, week zero. They get arm or Navy, sorry, Navy in Ireland. Notre Dame at 13. Penn State 12. Sooners were at 11. USC 10. Utah, who beat the Trojans twice last year at 9. 
at eight. Clemson, our eighth-ranked team. Garrett Riley now their offensive coordinator. Florida State at seven after vanquishing the Sooners in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Then it was Tennessee at six. This week so far, we've had Ohio State at five. Paul Keels, their play-by-play voice, joined us on Monday to talk Buckeyes football. And yesterday it was LSU at four. Chris Blair is their play-by-play voice. He will join us on tomorrow's show to talk more about the Tigers, which brings us to today. The number three-ranked team in the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 College Football Countdown is Alabama. The Alabama Crimson Tide come in at number three on the countdown. They will be in Norman next year, Teach. Did you know that? Yeah. Alabama. Fascinating, puzzling, interesting team to try to figure out where to put them in a preseason poll. Uh, You start by saying, well, they're Alabama. Nick Saban is their head coach. And year in and year out, they have either the most talent or second most talent in the country. Their recruiting class is always at the very tip top. So obviously they're going to be good, right? We all know that. We all know Alabama is going to be in the mix here. But there are so many question marks that it's it's kind of hard to firmly plant your flag in them winning the national championship on anything other than their Alabama. And that's enough. That's enough. I get it. But Man, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be hard. It's going to be interesting early on just to see, like, who the difference makers are for them, who emerges. Let's start by talking schedule. Last year they went 11-2. The two losses were close games on the road at Tennessee, an epic game, and they lost in overtime at LSU. Ended up running the table from there, including a blowout win over Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. But... They lose their best offensive and defensive players from last season. Of course, Bryce Young, quarterback, ends up going number one to Carolina. Will Anderson, their wrecking ball of a uh, defensive end, also goes high in the first round of the NFL draft. There is a battle at quarterback. Can't wait to hear how this is going. Uh, Jalen Milrow played a little bit last year for them uh, when Bryce was hurt. He started and played the Texas A&M game, which was a narrow victory. So uh, Crimson Tide fans don't have a tremendous amount of trust in him yet. He is athletic. Uh, Ty Simpson, former five-star prospect, he saw very little game action last year, but obviously very talented. And Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, who has come in, has a little more experience, a lot more experience, but unproven in an Alabama uniform as well. So big-time QB battle going on in Tuscaloosa. No doubt whoever they pick will be very good, all three good options. But are any of them Bryce Young? We shall see. New offensive coordinator. Add that to the new pile. Tommy Reese comes from Notre Dame. 
He takes over. It seems like whoever Nick Saban plugs in at either coordinator position immediately picks up the baton, and they are great. I assume Tommy Reese will do the same thing. Um, He's got a new quarterback, and he doesn't have a tremendous amount of big-name returning talent at wide receiver. But at running back, he's got Jace McClellan, and he's got a big, bad offensive line. So at the very least, Alabama's going to be able to cram the ball on most of the teams, probably all the teams that they play this year. Kind of the same story on defense. Will Anderson's gone. They got five-star recruits all over the place, but who's going to emerge to be the dude for them? Kool-Aid McKinstry, maybe the best name in college football, star cornerback for them. We know he's going to lock down one side of the field, but the rest of the defensive backfield, certainly a question. They brought in some transfers, Jalen Key and Trey Amos from UAB in Louisiana, hoping they can add some depth. Uh, Kevin Steele is back as D.C., same as offense. I have no doubt that future first-round picks are on that Alabama defense other than Kool-Aid McKinstry and that they're going to be great, but they have yet to emerge and have yet to show it on the field. Uh, Schedule-wise, you know, you're not going to find a game on here that they're not going to be favored in. They get a layup in Middle Tennessee to open the deck on Saturday night, September 2nd. Then week two, Texas comes to town. They were fortunate to beat Texas a year ago in Austin. Personally, I think they're going to run them out of the building this year in Tuscaloosa. Then at UCF, then into SEC play, Ole Miss at home. Back-to-back road games could be tricky at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, but should win both those. Arkansas at home, Tennessee, but they get them at home, and that's a revenge game this year, remember. LSU after an off week, but they get them at home, and that's a revenge game this year, remember. At Kentucky, Chattanooga is the late season uh, uh, rum dum, and then they get Auburn on the road this year, but, I mean, that should be a win. You look at the schedule, and... Maybe somebody sneaks up on them that is either better than we think of the preseason or Alabama has an off night. You know, it's certainly capable, Tennessee's capable of, of coming in and upsetting the apple cart. LSU as well, capable of coming in and, and beating them. But both those games are in Tuscaloosa. It's hard for me to see them losing to A&M, even though that game's on the road, or Auburn, even though that game's on the road. I mean, Alabama's in the mix. They're always in the mix. I think they're probably, in the end, it's either Bama or LSU representing the West in the SEC championship game. I give Bama the inside track because that game is at home. I don't know that I can tell you Alabama's better than LSU. I know more of LSU's talent going into this season. But Alabama lost to them a year ago, and they get them in Tuscaloosa this year, so I've got to give the preseason edge anyway to Alabama and just faith that whoever they put at quarterback and all that five-star talent, Nick Saban, the greatest coach of all time, is going to figure out where to put it. And in the end, Alabama is going to be in the hunt once again for the national championship despite all of the question marks. Teej, Alabama at three. Too high, too low, or just right? 
You know I'm a big believer in windows, and I don't I believe that no matter how great the coach is, time eventually passes them at a location or just uh in their career. And I think Bama's in that closing window stage. Too high. This is it goes back to the conversation yesterday. I don't believe uh, people can figure out who your remaining two teams are, I think, at this point. And I don't believe three SEC teams can be in the playoff, which is how you have it laid out here. Uh, Bama's the one on the outside, I think, here. I'm going to leave LSU in. I think Bama's slightly too high. I think they're in the mix, like you said. Favorable schedule with their home schedule and the way some games fall out for them. I hope that window doesn't start to close uh, too fast because I want them uh, still in the window September 9th when they play Texas and winning that game against the Longhorns. But I think we start to see the slip of Nick Saban a little more this year. I think we've seen it over the last couple of years. Even though they're going to remain in the mix, they're going to remain, remain a, a top five, top ten program no matter how long he's there. I just think that slight slip is there. I'm saying too high, they are not a playoff team this year. Wow. Wow. And this is coming from an Alabama homer, ladies and gentlemen, who is saying he believes Nick Saban's lost it. <laughs> Only labeled Alabama homer by you for whatever reason. So, And Alabama is going to take a step back. Now, and I say step back, they'll still be in the mix. They're still going to be fifth, sixth-ranked team in the country, but just outside that window slightly. Yeah. I don't know that I'm necessarily saying the top four teams are the playoff teams, but I see what you're saying there. Um, I'm not necessarily predicting who's going to be in the playoff here, just giving you my top 25, but I get what you're saying there. Alabama at number three, Chris Stewart, play-by-play -play voice and sideline reporter and pre- and post-game host. We'll see what his duties are this year. I think Eli Gold's coming back for them this year. Chris Stewart will join us at 7.15 this morning to talk more Alabama football. Give us an update on the quarterback battle from Tuscaloosa as well. Alabama at number three. Ten days to kick off, and we're talking Alabama football today. Always great to have Chris Stewart on with us. Kind of Mr. Everything in Tuscaloosa. And uh, he joins us live now. Chris, good morning. How are you today? Toby, I'm great, man. I appreciate it. Hope you're doing uh, well, too. Uh, we're doing good. It's almost time to, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone yeah. and get after football good. season here. So. For you and I, for you and I, the snowball starts down the hill and there's no stopping it. We know That's how exactly that goes. Right. That's exactly. It's fun though. That's exactly right. It is. Um, okay, so obviously, question number one for Alabama is the same for everybody: uh, who's going to play quarterback? So, sure. what's the latest you're hearing coming out of fall camp? You know, I, no change in that. It's still be determined uh there's probably one guy that knows maybe two but they're not talking to me and uh i'm gonna you know Jalen milrow is the guy that took snaps first in the two public we're not really public scrimmages but the two main scrimmages that took place um before we get into the season and they're they're working closer to game week mode with mtsu but uh, they've, they've held their last in-stadium scrimmage uh, before the opener next weekend. And then uh, it's my guess would be Milrow. That's all it is, is a guess. Um, but they really like Ty Simpson as well. And, um, you know, while Tyler Buckner, the, the Notre Dame transfer, 
gives you some um, some veteran play. You got Dylan Lonergan, who's a freshman, who also uh, has had some good moments as well. There's the question at Alabama is really not a question of do you have a quarterback because there's plenty of talent there. Yeah. They just haven't had anybody grab it by the throat yet and, and make it theirs. But I've got a feeling that Milrow is going to get the first opportunity to do that with experience, playmaking ability, and from what I understand, the decision-making is getting better within practice as well. Great kid. Uh, had a chance to be around him a little bit this summer briefly uh, at an event or two. And really, really uh, good person who I think has the attributes you're looking for. He's just got to learn how to make sure – the big play is not a problem. He's got to make sure he doesn't make the big play for the other team. We saw him a little bit last year. Incredible yeah. athlete, obviously. Right. But when you look at his skill set, I guess the question is, compare and contrast Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner. Like, what do each of them do well? How do they compare to each yeah. other? You know, I'm not sure I can give you uh, enough on Buckner, to be honest with you. But as far as Simpson and, and the – Simpson Milrow comparison there. I will say that Simpson's a better athlete than he gets credit for. Uh, he's the guy that that's looked at as a dual threat as well, but not as explosive maybe as Milrow running it or throwing it. But that doesn't mean that he's not, you know, high D one, high level D one, able to do the job in a in a great fashion. He's He's probably, I'm not going to say it's because it sounds unfair and it sounds like a shot to say dink and dunk kind of guy. He will take a lot more of the underneath stuff, uh, at least from what I've seen in limited limited eyeballs on, on things. Uh, that's not all bad because Alabama's obviously got playmakers and it's both in the backfield and at, at wide receiver. And so that's going to be, uh, like I said, Toby, it's going to be more of what we've seen in the past with Alabama, the better teams historically during the this previous 16 years under Nick Saban. They're going to be really salty on defense. They're going to be really fast and tough and deep on defense. They're going to be able to run it effectively, power game when they want to, um, or should be able to. I'll put it that way. With a with a uh, probably a better offensive line collectively, and more of those type running backs than we've seen in a couple of years. But also, I think they're going to be able to get it done at the quarterback position as well. It goes back to what I've already said, though. Don't help the other side. Don't make mistakes at the quarterback position because I think everything else is going to look really good for Alabama. Play great defense and lean on. Jace McClellan and that big offensive line and, and the run game and and maybe yeah. a, a mobile quarterback to add to that uh, as well. Yeah. yeah, that's been a winning formula for sure. It, it, it's pretty effective. And, uh, you know, I think Nick Saban's getting, you know, he's part of what's made him great is the ability to adapt without changing who he is, you know, yeah. to to not get away from really who he is, but bring in what he did with Lane Kiffin and get some new ideas and maybe a little bit different way. And then from there, uh, you know, more of the no huddle and uh, 
the hurry up, all that stuff that frankly didn't seem much like Nick Saban in the early days of his tenure at Alabama, the early years of his tenure. But it's been among the list of things that's been amazing to watch with him and the success is, like I said, the ability to not change who he is and yet still adapt to what the time times are. He is He's managed to change. There's a lot of talk around here, as you you well understand. Coach Bryant, his time, his era, which was historically great as well. But you remember that he transitioned from the 60s, early 70s, the I said, and then, then went to the wishbone. But it took a couple of years to get to that. Nick Saban changed the tire while this car was still moving and never missed a beat. And that's that's that to me was one of the most amazing things to watch. That's a great analogy. All right, so when you're evaluating this Alabama team going into the season, yeah, you, you know you got no Bryce Young, you got no Will Anderson, no nobody out there doubts that there are stars on this Alabama yeah. team. But with the way they recruit, they got five stars everywhere. We know that by midway through the season, we're going to be talking about seven of these guys being first round draft picks. But right. we don't know who they are yet, other than Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's got the coolest name in the world. So you tell me, who's going to emerge off of this team, offense and or defense, who you think by midway through the season we're all going to be talking about? Look, you're already talking about Dallas Turner, so that may be uh, that may be a an easy answer and a cop-out, but I'm going to go with it because I just think, you know, he has been in the spotlight to a degree. Uh, in the shadows. Yeah, yeah, in the shadows, I'll say slightly, of of Will Anderson. And I think with him being the guy that he's going to really shine. Now, here's the here's part of the problem that can come with that. When you've got Will Anderson and people are focusing on him as much, it opens up opportunities. Now, if there's a double-team situation, you know, they're keying on, a, on one guy that we say offensively, we can't allow this guy to wreck what we do, that now becomes Dallas Turner, and do they, as best you can, minimize. My belief is, though, it's going to be really tough to minimize him no matter what you do. So I think, I think on that side – that's going to be a big key. It's tough for me to really say on offense because I think what they're going to be collectively at running back will be the strength of that. You look in, in other than Derek Henry, who was a freak of nature and maybe unnatural things as well. I mean, just ridiculous that you would think of handing the ball to somebody 46 times in a game and that's opposite completely of what Nick Saban likes to do but the guy got this man who looked like a Clydesdale horse got stronger the more you gave it to him and beat people down the more you gave it to him so it made sense because he was more dangerous and carries 35 through 45 maybe than he was in carries five through 15. So that he's, he's the anomaly. He's the one thing you take out, but everybody else that Nick Saban has had by and large, not completely by committee. I'm going to go to coach Bryant again. It's not the old wishbone where you're, 
you know, you're running seven running backs out there and, and uh, because they're all good and you're, you're, you're wearing them down that way. But he's always had two, three guys that he could mix it up with that were very good, very effective, and it's why they were so good running the, get the ball late in the year most seasons as they were in the front of the, the year because they still had fresh legs, and it's why guys are able to do stuff in the league because they're able to still have legs once they get there. So uh, I think that position group in offensively is something that's going to be really, really fun to watch. One more quick question. We'll let you go, Chris. Chris Stewart from Alabama joining us talking Crimson Tide football. Schedule's tough. It's an SEC schedule. But it looks to me like you got the toughest games at home anyway. So what's the one most dangerous game that you see out there uh, on the schedule this year? Obviously, uh, your friend and ours uh, in Orange coming the the second week will be I think a big game from a national don't you, standpoint. Don't you, Chris, don't you ever call Texas our friend again. All right. That's, I admit it. I admit it sarcastically. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we you're walking we've, a very thin rope to, uh, right now. Yeah. To, we've we've learned to love them about as much as y'all do. <laughs> uh, over the years. That that's why I say, you know, not only do we have the similar colors, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's right. And that's why I think uh, Bama Bama and uh, Sooner Nation are are in lockstep in Please that regard. Pummel that, Please pummel them this year. It, it, it was unbearable yeah. last year that they even got close to you guys. So, Well, I understand. We, we did the same thing with the Aggies, which takes me to to the game that I will say in league because of the fact that it's there. Uh, it's just tough to read what in the heck a Jimbo Fisher team is going to be, mm-hmm. which is uh, <laughs> obviously of great consternation. For, uh, for their fan base, which we're fine with as well, but also um, I, I think for the opposition because you really don't know what to expect with them. But I do think that, that going there and in playing them in College Station is just extremely dangerous anytime. But I, I do think that will be a – that's going to be an obvious challenge. There, there's a couple of things. Uh, you know, look, South Florida in week three is not a game that I, by any stretch, think Alabama will be an underdog, or nor should they be. But you play that in Tampa the week after the Texas game, I think that will be a, a Nick Saban special in that he will be rip-snorting after the Texas game regardless of how it goes because he'll want them locked in and focused on a team that doesn't have the same name and doesn't want guys acting like it's a beach trip or something like that. Uh, but after you go College Station, I mean, you got Tennessee back at home at the uh, the third Saturday in October. LSU's always interesting. And then when you go to Auburn, it doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Something about playing down there, the goofiest of things can happen, which unfortunately – we have uh, seen and will forever live in Iron Bowl lore, uh, sadly. But uh, it's there are potholes on the schedule. But the thing is, I like I like who Alabama is going into each and every one of those ball games, and you take your chances with with who you are if, if the team's got as much talent as this one will have. 
lot of things to look forward to about Oklahoma going to the SEC. One of them is I get to uh, hang out with Chris Stewart more often. Looking now. forward to that, brother. One yeah, of the all-time great guys. Chris, uh, hope you get to come to Norman next year and have a great season this year. Buddy, I appreciate it. Same to you. Take care. See you, Thank man. you. All right. Chris Stewart with Alabama. Um, I, I I asked him off the air about Eli, and I think it might still be up in the air a little bit, but I think there's a chance Eli Gold is back in the booth for them this season. We certainly hope that that's the case for the Alabama legendary play-by-play voice. All right, we'll take a break. Everybody take a deep breath. TJ will make the walk to the refrigerator during this commercial break, and for the first time in 40 years, he will try pimento cheese on the other side. Back after this.